Canadian Rockies. Birth. Thank you for... Okay. Yeah. Thank you. So we're reviewing what we did last week. And there are seven R's. And you see if you can find them with me. The first R is recreation. Not recreation. Recreation. He's taking it, he's baptizing it, he's renewing it. He's making all things new, not making all new things. He's making it new. Number two, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. Did a wedding a week ago Friday. There was romance in the air. When we walked into that place out at Hope Glen Farms, I said, this place is alive. I could feel it. And I don't feel those kind of things. Karen, yes. Paul, no. But I walked in there, and it was hopping. Why? Because of we love good romances. And I prayed with one who's six feet one <laughs> and a star basketball player. God's going to give you a good man. He gave her a 
really good man. And everybody was excited. I was a shorty among some of them. There were all kinds of, uh, including some women who were 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, <laughs> that wasn't the main thing. The main thing is we're talking about romance. It started as a walk, and it ends with a wedding. That's the word of God. And it's a love story from beginning to end. And it's romance to the ultimate. Number three, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Okay, I'm going to give a sentence here. The man went house. Now, you can't make sense out of that because it lacks a preposition. All you need is a preposition. Prepositions are kind words. They never draw attention to themselves. They always draw attention to their spouse. So what did the man do with regard to the house? Well, you put a little preposition in there, and it makes everything understandable. What's the preposition? Into. Now you know. Well, I could have said out. Went out of the house. Or went around. So that preposition is really important to give you understanding. Here's a really important preposition. God with man. We think heaven, we are going to heaven. I want to go to heaven when I die. This says God's coming to earth. God with. He's going to come. He's going to invade the new earth with his personal presence. Pretty wonderful. Then he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So we've got recreation, romance, relationship. That's God with us. And now you've got relief. God will wipe away every tear from their eye. You folks may know Steve Tenney. Steve Tenney, 19-year-old son, contracted a rare disease and with a few days, he was dead. They celebrated his birthday after he was dead. Can you imagine the ongoing heartbreak, the longing to see him? What was he going to look like as a 30-year-old? What was he going to look like as a dad? And it's whipped away without even understanding what's going on, he's dead. Do you guys know who that is? He'll meet him in heaven. And they'll have a reunion. And he'll be able to love his son. In fact, he might greet him. He might greet him. Might be the first one to see him. What a reunion. What what? What relief from pain of all kinds. Death shall be no more, period. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain. You know what surprises me about this life? There's a lot more pain than I thought there was going to be. There's a lot more heartbreak. Don't, don't, anybody identify with that? Isn't there more pain than you expected? I thought it was going to be a piece of cake. I'm a pastor's kid. We had a good family. We had a nice family. So I figure this is going to go easy. Lots of pain. 
lots of sorrow, lots of tears, lots of broken heartedness. Not in heaven, not in the new earth. It's going to be calm. Now, why do we talk about this? I want to make it clear in the, in the second round when I give you the next sermon. But we're here, and we're supposed to think here. We're supposed to think heaven while we're on earth. That's hard to do. We're supposed to put all our marbles in the age to come. Peter says, put your hope fully on the grace that is coming to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.13. So we're supposed to think about that. But I wasn't doing that. I was thinking about this life. I was thinking about my job. I was thinking about playing some playing basketball or, I, or, or going here and doing that because that's my life. But I have to learn how to live for the kingdom to come, like Abraham. It's a strange, beautiful verse. It said he was looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. He never found that city. There's a city with God as the maker. You know what that city is? New Jerusalem. That's what he was looking for. And so he put his hope in the future, which allowed him to be a man of, of, of faith like maybe no one else that has ever lived, a man of faith. So that's what our job is now. When I tell you about heaven, the purpose in telling you this is that you live there now, that you think about that, what that will be. Because if you get a hold on the future, you can cope with the present. If you have a hold on the future, you can cope with the present. But if you don't have a hold on the future, the present bears down on you, and it makes it more hard for you to live. So we got recrea recreation, romance, relationship, relief. Verse, verse uh, 6, we've got refreshment. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. So thirst is a need or a desire in heaven or the new earth. No need or desire is unrealized. How many needs are unrealized here? Dads and spads. We've got all kinds of needs that do not get realized now, and we have to put off. So I have to learn to have fewer needs. But in heaven, every need is realized. There's an answer. There's a resolution. There's nothing. There's no frustration. There's no ambiguity. I will give to the thirsty from the spring of the water of life without payment. What kind of water is that? I think water, H2O, will do just fine. So there's refreshment. And then there's something that I didn't know about the new earth. But it's all around. It's in the scripture. It's all over the place. And I shared this with some uh, young adults once, and, and uh, I said there will be responsibilities. He that overcomes shall reign with me. Reigning is a responsible act. Do you know that we reign over the? We'll take responsibility for a billion angels. Hey, Gabriel. I need you over here. It's incredible that, that we will have responsibilities. And wouldn't you say that when you are fulfilling responsibility, it feels a need in your life? 
when you're doing something responsible, you're doing something that, that is creative, that helps somebody else, that will be true in the new earth. Second uh, Timothy, First Timothy 2. Uh, it's in Timothy. I know that. If we endure, we will reign with him. Whole region. So, so there is responsibility. And I, I asked this young adult, I, I said, does that disappoint you? And he says, no, I guess not. But I was kind of looking forward to the first thousand years in a jacuzzi. Well, maybe he'll get that. But, uh, and he was a leader, so he's, I know that he's going to be doing some reigning. So the last thing, and I'm going to preach on this soon, because as I share this with you, I realize that it's really un misunderstood a lot. So I'm going to preach on this in the next couple of weeks. And that is the last R. Behold, I am coming soon, Revelation 22, 12, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. What am I talking about? I'm talking about rewards. Rewards are a part of our life on earth, but they'll be much more a part of our life in heaven. And when I say that, some of you will be thinking, hmm, not for me. I'm no Mother Teresa. I'm no Billy Graham. Maybe I'm not going to get much. You know what Jesus said? What gives, what gives you a reward? You know, it's it's not it's not being classy. It's not being outstanding. It's not being on the on the stadium floor. It's not being up in front. It's no. I was that's what I was thinking. The cup of cold water. You will in no way lose your reward. And so he's looking for quiet, humble, obedient service to the world and to the people of God. And those who do that, not looking for a reward, but simply humbly serving, you're stacking them up. There'll be rewards. So, there you go. So, this morning I want to do part two of heaven, the greatest place on earth. And the first thing. I want to say about heaven. I'm going to say about five things about heaven. Heaven is where you are you. So are you you now? No, you're not. Not totally. When, when I talk to a, somebody that I'm mentoring and they mess up, one of the things I say to them sometimes is that's not who you are. That's not who you are. Because who we are, this is who we are, who I'm going to be. That's where I'm going. When uh, Steve Ludio, remember Steve Ludio, Mr. Ducky, the, the Ducky guy, he does a lot of interpreting for Japanese, and he went into a, a mental institution and he said the guy was wearing a sweatshirt. 
We're all here because we're not all there. <laughs> and uh, I like that. You know, there was a guy who was at least self-aware. And we're not all there. We're here, but we're not all there. Because sin does a number on us. And it's not who we're called to be. And sin tampers with us. It messes with us. And yet something is happening and it will be completed in the new earth. And here's a staggering verse from 1 John 3, 2 and 3. Beloved, we're God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, why? For we shall see him as he is. What you behold, you become. Say it. Yesterday I was talking to my friend Avery Nash. Avery was a good friend. Avery became an alcoholic. He was a he was a lawyer. Then he became a uh, a rental guy, and uh, he began drinking. And he said, "Paul, my son Byron saw me ten thousand times, and now he's an alcoholic." It breaks his heart. What you behold, you become. Now, there are, of course, exceptions. But when we behold something all our life, even though we don't want it, that's what broken children, they become broken adults because they see the insanity. Sin is insanity. And one look at Jesus, we will see him as he is and he who has this hope in him purifies himself now as he is pure so as we behold as we look at Jesus now and see him as in a mirror dimly we can't see it clearly but he purifies himself as he is pure so something happens when I behold you know what I used to do as a young adult I thought I was supposed to behold sin I was supposed to look at sin and that sin was going to decrease. I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. And I'd pound myself down, and I'd think about sin as if that was going to help me. Yoo-hoo! It didn't wakey. I'm not supposed to look at my sin. I'm supposed to confess my sin and get rid of it and not think about it. It's gone. It's taken away. And I look at Jesus, and as I behold him now by faith, I become more and more like him. But then I get here and I behold him immediately. It's so strong a look that I become like him. That's really encouraging. Heaven is where I become who I am. I told you about this wedding, Lauren's wedding. When they said their vows, they said, I pledge to you to give you the best version of myself. That's cool, isn't it? And that works. 
sometimes a version of ourselves. So we want to keep growing. And we, I want to say to Lauren and Nathan, go for it. Do everything you can and forgive when it doesn't happen because sometimes we don't. But in heaven, you are who you're really made to be. You are the best version of yourself. And I look forward to that. Don't you? I, I like who I'm going to be. Remember what Graham Kluke says, God heals us 80% and then gives us friends. Graham Cook would, used to say that. I remember he said it several times. He heals us 80% and then gives us friends so they can put up with us because we're not all there. We're, we're on the way. So I remember my dad said, I'm, I think I'm so heavenly minded that I'm, I'm no earthly good. And I would say just the opposite. The more heavenly minded you are, the more earthly good you will be. So, huh? Thank you. Yeah. 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 It's true, isn't it? If 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 we if if we think about that, if we think about there, then uh, here is gonna here is gonna work better. So heaven is where you are. Number one. Number two. Heaven is awesome. Don't laugh at me. I never use the word awesome. Ask my kids. Because that piece of pizza was not awesome. That chocolate sundae is not awesome. Awesome is what inspires awe. That movie was not awesome. It was a good movie. Not, a, not an awesome movie. But heaven. Now we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the perfect, the imperfect will come. When the perfect comes, what is a perfect mountain scene? What is a perfect garden? What is a perfect romance? What is perfection? That's, that's what we will experience day in and day out. There will be no night. I guess we don't sleep. I don't think angels take a nap. I don't think they lie down. I don't think they get tired. Blessed is he. He will rest from his labors. Maybe, maybe there will be a time to rest in the beginning, but then I don't think we'll need rest because we'll be like the angels. We'll have power. But it will be awesome in order that in the coming ages, he might show, this is Ephesians 2, 7, the incomparable riches of his grace in kindness to us in Christ Jesus. He's looking forward to show us the incomparable riches of his grace. He wants to pour it out, lavish it on us. The greatest he's got, and he's giving it to us, and he's with us, he comes down. He's with us. Every day is a 10 plus. Every day. I think I'm going to turn tomorrow and be like this. And it, somehow it seems like it gets better. It's so wonderful. We're exploring. We're learning. We're growing. We're ruling. Great artists, I am told. I'm not one of them. Karen's a good artist. When they paint something, I am told, they have a feeling of 
of regret or almost shame because they say it's not perfect. They're trying to draw the perfect picture. They're trying to get the perfect shot of the photographer. They know it's not perfect. And, and there is this tension when the perfect comes. Imperfect will pass away. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, have we, we've, not, we've not been able to imagine it, nor the heart of man imagine what God has prepared for. Do you love him? Do you love him? And it's for you. He's prepared it for those who love him. There's that romance again. He's prepared it for us. We're looking forward to it. So heaven is where you are you. Heaven is awesome. Heaven is where you are home. You think you're home now. So let me tell you about Karen. Karen is what sociologists call a third culture kid. You know what that is? Anybody know what that is? She, she grew up in Japan. And so when her parents say, we're going home on furlough, she's confused. Because she says, where's home? And when she goes to Augsburg College, they say, so where are you from? And she says, what do you mean? You mean, where was I born? Where did I grow up? Where? And they say, hey, come on, it's an easy question. Get with it. Where are you from? And they don't understand. So we went to Bethel for a third culture kids conference. Ruth Van Rieken, an author, and David, an author, I can't remember his last name, who just died. Uh, we go in, we go up in the uh, bleachers kind of thing, 60, 70 people. We sit down and she starts to cry. And I said, what's going on? And she says, these are my relatives. They understand. Mark. He talked to you guys when he was here, and he said he thought he was Japanese until they told him, no, you're not. You've got blonde hair. You're not. And that created some tension in his early days because, okay, now let me say something to you. You're all third culture kids. You're all in exile. None of you is home. None of you. You're not home. Missionaries were coming home, and they came in on a huge ship into New York City, and there were celebrities on board, and the crowds were there waving and clapping for the celebrities. And the missionaries felt a little sad, and they said, God is nobody here for us. And 
this is what they heard him say. You're not going anywhere. Let me tell you what Peter says to you. Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. You are exiles. Then he says it again in chapter 2. He says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners. What are sojourners? Wanderers? Vagabonds? Yeah, yeah. You're not to stake, put your stakes down as if this is it. This is not it. Perfect. Right on. He, here's the Son of Man. He was in exile. And we're to live like him. I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh. This is not it. That is it. And we're to live as people who are looking for that. When I, I went on a long trip. I took about 14 months after two years of seminary. I went to Africa first, and I taught at a Bible college in Kenya. Then I went to Israel, lived a block and a half outside of Jaffa Gate, and studied there for eight months. And I traveled through Europe, joined the team, Operation Mobilization, just got on their team and traveled for a while. And I'm going to England to see the uh, most famous archaeological museum, the British Archaeological Museum. And I'm on the way, and I said to myself, I'm sick of museums. I have seen enough museums. I don't want to see another museum. So I had an open ticket. I went to the airport, and I came through. And I was at customs, and uh, I handed him this little book that you have to have with you. And that was stamped with a lot of countries. I visited the countries around Israel. I visited countries in Africa. I visited many countries in Eastern and Western Europe. And he looked at that. Wow, wow, where do I stamp in here? And he said, welcome home. Those were such true words. I could hardly get a, a, a thank you because I was home. I'd been gone so long. I was home. And I walked into the, this other area, and there's 30, 30 of my young adult friends carrying their doxology in the airport. And I, I was home. It was like heaven. You're not home yet. You're in exile. That's the way we're supposed to live. We're not there. We're, we're on our, our way. I'll tell you one other story about buying this house. When we, uh, we weren't used to buying houses because I was a pastor, so we were given places to stay, but now we're going to buy this house, and so we come back, and uh, after the first day, we saw houses, and Tara and I, thought, no, we haven't seen it yet. And so we walked in here. It was owned by the mayor of Roseville, who had a blended family. He was dying of uh, incurable disease. And uh, there were eight in his family, and so he had a big house. And we sat in the living room and talked with him. And then I 
said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be right back. And I went outside. I ran across this grass. I ran down there. I jumped a creek. I ran along the path there for a little while. And I thought, we have had a backyard in San Pedro that was about the size of, uh, you know, maybe this basement here, just small. Would my kids like to play in the woods? Would they like to have a creek running through their property? Would they like a house where they would have a tree house that looked like that? A tennis court? We, we happened to play tennis. And I came up, I came back inside, and I whispered to Karen, She wasn't convinced <laughs> yet that night then she prayed and she said I want to follow my husband but I I uh, hear from you and the Lord spoke to her and said it's not just for you it's for his kids she, she embraced it knowing that it wasn't going to be just her house but so this this became it but I'm telling you, where you're at now is not it. It is there. It is the new heaven. Um, quickly. So the culture says this is it. Culture says this is your place. But the Bible said this is not your place. You're in exile. So heaven is under construction. Here's a different way to look at it. Absent with the body, present with the Lord. Where are we? Well, we're with the Lord, but we're not where we're going to be when we get there. It's not going to be because that is under construction. What did Jesus say? I go to prepare a place, and when I do, when the Father, that's what the the engaged son does in the Middle Eastern customs. He goes and he gets the place ready. When the father says it's ready, then he goes and get, fetches the bride. That's romance. So Jesus, when the father says it's time, the son will come back with a myriad of angels who will collect the saints, bring us together, and then we'll have that place that is under construction. If people were to say to me, who didn't like me and weren't like me, and they said, Paul, go to hell, here's what I'd say to them. Hell, I don't think, is being occupied here. Hell is under construction just as heaven is. And the first people to occupy hell, according to the Bible, are first the Antichrist, then his false prophets, then Satan. He'll occupy it, the lake of, called the lake of fire. So hell is, uh, there. there is a place of, of uh, a holding tank, as it were, but uh, that's my understanding, that heaven and hell are, are under construction. So, let's stop here. Any thoughts, questions? Yeah.
the body's in the grave, your spirit goes to be with the Lord immediately. Absent at the body, present with the Lord, Paul says. His body doesn't go with him, but he, he goes. Our body will catch up with us. Go for it. 